Hey, this is Kara from Ruminate, and you're listening to Questionable Food. Some people just won't be able to make it, and that's the scary part, is without any support from the federal government or even state government, there is no hope. But I know it's just the cost of doing business right now. It's, okay, do I slim down and just make sure that I can keep the business open with the hopes that in the future I can bring people back? Or do I just keep paying people until I I have to close the doors? And then basically, then there's no hope for the future. In this episode, I chat with Mike Baraccio, the executive chef at Isabel's Market and Eatery in Saugatuck, Michigan. We discuss the changing landscape of fine dining and restaurant work in the era of COVID-19, how some businesses are pivoting, and the importance of prioritizing staff well-being and safety. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for being here today. Let's talk about the different responses restaurants are having to COVID-19. How are folks shaping their businesses? It's interesting to just like look at the everyone's different um, method of execution. So, you know, we started off initially with people basically riffing on each other, kind of copying each other. And then there was a kind of a pause while some people rushed to the gate to get open. Um, for like in-person dining and then other people that have been kind of slow opening and they, you know, they're waiting for August, September to kind of uh, get ready and then implementing, you know, plexiglass, sneeze guards and things like that on the inside or, you know, you can't get up from your table unless you're wearing a mask, but then the server's coming up to your table exclusively wearing a mask. So it's it's just tricky. Like what I would be, it's it would be great to see the actual, you know, benefits of all those things. Of yeah. like, okay, how safe is um, having a plexiglass guard in between me and another table? I, I get it. Most likely it's there for, um, you know, just be feeling more comfortable and safe. But is it actually prevent anything? And then what are the, you know, long-term costs of having all this PPE around? Um, how are we actually disposing of that? Mm. Um, and there's, I just think that it's kind of a, a rush to want to get into in-person dining. And it's more of just a cash grab just to be like, okay, well, this is what we're good at. Let's just try to do this again. But you're also doing it at, you know, between 30 and 50 percent capacity. So how much money can you actually make? You know, you signed your lease to be able to have, let's say, 100 seats, but now you can only have 50. Can you actually pay your rent on 50 percent? That's, a, that's a, I think, different restaurants will have, find success in that. But it's also just from a safety perspective for an owner or a chef or a you know, general manager, like, the mental part of it. Like, do you have the stamina to put up with this? Do you have, you want to like deal with really terrible people on the phone or guests that don't want to wear masks when really all you're trying to do is take care of your immediate community and make sure that people can leave work, go home and feel safe with their families and just really live. And I would think to me, at least in my opinion, it just makes more sense to be like, okay, well, we have a model that we can employ our staff. Um, we can train them in other different facets of the business than just being a, a server or, you know, any kind of frontline employee like that and uh, kind of shift all of our effort into curbside uh, to go containers, uh, meal pickups, things like that, and just kind of retrain people and just try to think about this pandemic in a different way than just be, trying to you know fit ourselves back in the old model. And for those that can't subsist on curbside, for right. a year or something like that. What do you think the future is for those restaurants? Or is there anything that those entities can do? That's a great question. And I think it's really, you know, case by case basis. It just really depends on how scrappy you are. And then 
that even doesn't necessarily matter to some point because some people just won't be able to make it. And that's the scary part is without any support from the federal government or even state government, there is no hope. But I know it's just the cost of doing business right now. It's okay, do I slim down and just make sure that I can keep the business open with the hopes that in the future I can bring people back? Or do I just keep paying people until I, I have to close the doors? And then basically, then there's no hope for the future. There's some models that just won't work for this. And that's what I've, I've seen talking to a lot of people that I know. It's like, you're either doing pretty well or you're just like, can't even survive. So does that mean that you can, uh, and I think this is going to be prevalent in the next probably couple months, um, transition your for-profit kitchen into maybe some kind of profit share thing that serves food to the community. And you can just, maybe there's some grants and stuff that we can start developing a little bit more to be like, okay, well, um, so-and-so is donating me the food. I'm going to donate my time. And then I can get maybe a, some kind of stimulus package from the government for providing foods to uh, um, families in the area, you know, people that are homeless or even school lunches and things like that. Um, Cause that's, you know, from a health perspective uh, for kids going back to school right now is like, what is the quality of food that they're going to be get, eating? And also, especially with, you know, people's you know, income dwindling, how are they going to provide, you know, quality, nutritious meals to kids? So I think that there's avenues to potentially survive this, but it's just going to be to survive. You're, you might not like how you have to do it. And so looking toward the future, I think we, we kind of understand that the reality is that a lot of businesses are going to close. There's a survey done in New York, New York State, not necessarily New York City, that about 30% of businesses foresee closing as a result of COVID. A third is an absurd number. Absolutely. And thinking about who is left over in that, you know, 70% certainly includes a lot of large corporate businesses. What do you think restaurants and food, what does that consolidation do? I think that you're going to see a lot of the trend that's been happening as far as independent chefs who have you know, just been beating their head against the wall with staffing issues, supply chain issues, uh, prices going up, expectations being super high, especially with social media and just, uh, you know, rising rents and everything. And some of those people yeah. just don't want to do it anymore, you know, and I completely understand that. Um, I, I think that you'd be hard pressed to ask um, any chef just be like, oh, are you you're in this forever? And you're just like, I don't know. I'm trying to maybe looking for an exit strategy. And so with those staffing issues, I think that those are just going to be uh, really exacerbated for the future, because uh, especially people working from home and stuff like why would I this you know, not necessarily myself, but why would I want to have another job where I have to work 60 to 70 hours a week when I just learned that I can do? I discovered a hobby that I want to develop and, uh, or I can, you know, uh, cottage law, bake some cookies or something out of my house and sell it that way. Yeah. Like, so we're going to lose a lot of, you know, potential people in the industry and that's going to hurt us a lot. So maybe it'll scale where, you, you know, we lose 30% of restaurants or more. And then the ones that are left will really, you know, have some strong, stronger people, people will rise up the challenge and, you know, really want to hone their skills and kind of learn and, help shape the future of what restaurants look like, you know, five years down the road, like talking about those, my, my guys that I've been interviewing with, like they'll, I'm sure that some of them will be like, you know, this is, fuck this. I don't really want it. This is what I signed up for. Uh, my trajectory's really changed. But then the other ones will be like, huh, like this is really making me think. And um, you know, this, again, this huge cultural shift is going to inspire a ton of people. We're, I think we're going to have some 
rapid, crazy changes to uh, independent restaurants and uh, just food in general in the next couple of years. So it sounds to me that aspects of this crisis may actually lead us into a food renaissance. Absolutely. I was reading when this, the pandemic first started about how um, like the Spanish flu changed architecture in the major cities um, and adding a lot of green space and things like that. So it's curious to see what that's going to affect, you know, architecture nowadays. Like is a giant office or giant company going to have offices all over the place? Not necessarily now, which kind of makes sense from, uh, from their cost perspective. Like if you can shrink an entire <laughs> month's worth of rent um, by just eliminating that and having people work from home, um, well, then what are restaurants by office buildings going to do where their entire business is, you know, the, you know, lunch. Um, and so that's a shift that's already been happening. Like the, the cocktail lunch hasn't been around for you know a, a long time now. So are we going to have these big restaurants still maybe in destination cities or big cities, but in small areas, it might just be, you know, I'm going to rent a 400 square foot little shitty building and just serve um, stuff out of window or just, you know, have a food truck or a cart that I can go to a neighborhood and sell stuff, or I'm just going to have delivery and pickup and just be like a ghost restaurant. So it's going to be, it'll be interesting. And, you know, some people will really find success in that. And I think it's just, it's going to be a lot of a luck and just really <laughs> being into the, the masochistic side of just, I'm going to hurt myself and just make this happen. Can you share any examples of individuals that are leading the charge on necessary change and pivoting in a positive way? Do you have any thoughts on who's leading by example or thoughts on how we might pivot in this new era? Yeah, well, I think the the biggest thing with, you know, beating your head against the wall is uh, you're trying to solve an unsolvable problem right now. Like there's not enough information that anybody has to make any rational or logical conclusions about how to run their restaurants. There isn't a good way and everything changes daily. So I think the biggest thing is communication for people like, hey, if you're stuck on something or if you need uh, help or you need staff just to get like get open that day. Um, you just have to, I think, reach out to the community. You really need to build that, at least in uh, the Grand Rapids area, especially the uh, community of chefs. Just be like, hey, I'm struggling. Uh, can you guys give me any advice? What's worked for you? Um, do you have any gloves that I can buy <laughs> off of you as that becomes more of a situation again? From the customer perspective, you know, we're very accommodating people naturally. That's what our entire hospitality business is. But I think now, especially for me, you know, I've really found the, the no button. So I've gotten good at being like, no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I tried at the beginning uh, when we thought that it was going to be more temporary and that we're, we were like, oh, yeah, we can do this for two months. Fuck it. We, we're good. And then you go to, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. And what I'm doing is hurting me. Like I worked six days for um, four months straight and just was exhausted. I'm to a different level. And I just had to start being like, no, I can't do that. I refuse to do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you're trusting in leaders or, you know, peers or customers who are just as confused as you. Um, and it's really time to stand your ground and be like, no, I, I don't think that that's the right way to do it. And so that's, you know, basically how I found my new gig. And uh, I hope that it'll give empower other people to just be like, it's it's time for for us to do this a different way. We don't have to have this really potentially dangerous thing or, um, you know, especially as people in the past uh, several years have been talking about mental health in, in restaurants. Um, this is just that on steroids. People are in a dark place and it's not, it's not fair. So, and we as leaders um, and, you know, people in the community need to 
set the, the framework for our staff and then they can take it out to the rest of the community and really just be like, no, we don't do it that way. And if you don't want to patronize our business, like we don't really don't want you as a customer is your dollar, your dollars really worth it to us versus our, you know, our mental health and our staff's mental health. And so I hope that, you know, standing your ground on those things, like you don't want to wear a mask, then you don't have to shop here. That's just, we believe in it. And if you're an employee and you don't want to wear a mask, like I don't really know what to tell you because that's how we operate. Yeah. So it's really just like setting that standard and just really, uh, holding your ground completely are there any peers that you think are really modeling how to pivot or market and are preparing for the future that you kind of would be interested in sort of like sharing or calling out there's a a restaurant in detroit called she wolf and i was just flipping through um their menu today because i got a a promo email about them doing um they have like a mercado so they were like selling toilet paper at first and like dried pasta and a bunch of cool sauces and stuff. And um, so I saw that they were on DoorDash. And I just think that that's uh, an interesting way to run a, it's a, it's a very Italian kind of way. You're, you've got your restaurant and then it's like, hey, I can sell you some stuff on the side. And then that's, I've, it's been cool to watch that transition from this idea to, I'm sure it's a lot of their business. And that's just really inspiring. And the chef there, Anthony, has a great, uh, um, like cooking guides. So they're selling proteins and stuff that you could like grill at home. And he's got like this cool PDF file that you read. And it's like, here's how you cook this. Here's how to store it and just have like these chef tips. So I think, again, that's a fun way to like leverage our cooking ability. Like how many times does someone go to a grocery store and be like, this is really interesting. And I don't know what this is, but I have no idea how to cook it. Should, should I Google it? It's like what you do on Thanksgiving sometimes. So, like there's those uh, like turkey hotlines and stuff. Um, so it's like, Hey, uh, can you fix this for me? And you're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to, you know, troubleshoot it through for you. That's so interesting. I mean, like you mentioned, you can't fault people for making decisions out of fear, but it does get to a point where this is what it is now. Yeah. It's okay. It's like, okay, you, I get it. You, you had time, but you had time to process it now you realize that we're so far into this and it's not going to change. And if anything, it's getting worse. Yeah. So just, you know, tie your shoes on tight and just, just jump right into it and just be like, yeah, how can I fix this problem today? And if I can't fix it, you know, most of my day is like, let me assess new questions that I have. And, you know, I just have like an idea board of stuff that's bothering me. And then uh, if I can solve it, great. If I can't, at least I know what the situation is. And I'm not just like in my own head trying to like figure out why I'm stressed out about something. And what wisdom do you have to share with folks that are pivoting right now? And how have your thoughts shifted for your own business? what are like different percent of market streams? So I came into this thinking that, you know, most of the still having that kind of restaurant mindset of we're going to do at least 50% of our business is going to be in a a, a traditional kind of sit down restaurant grill thing. I was like, okay, well maybe it's going to be about 20% sit down and then 30% curbside. And now it's like, Oh, I think it's going to be mostly retail market, grab and go kits, you know, all those things. And then I'm going to, not even open the restaurant part of it and just sell dinners and stuff on the weekends for, you know, a small amount of people. Um, and you can have this, we have a pretty, like an 80 person in normal capacity days banquet room. We can space that out really good and we can just serve a kind of supper clubby kind of feel to it. So I think that offers, it's more controllable, you know, if you're selling tickets and things and you don't have, or reservations, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I just really trying to figure out like what is the safest play yeah. and the most sustainable and really 
the leanest. Like, how can I be able to pivot? Because who knows when something might change drastically. So that's a big thing on my forefront. And also, how do I support? This is something I think about every day. How do I support the people that I, I care about and interact with every day, and make sure that they can get through this? You know, my uh, roommate and girlfriend are very stressed about. They don't interact with anybody basically. And they're you know working from home or working from home and then going to work for a couple hours. And they just don't have these social networks that I have the, the uh, fortune to be part of still where I am talking to vendors on the phone or, you know, bumping into the general contractor and stuff at the building. Um, so how do I just be like a supporter? Just like, hey, guys, you need something? You need, you need me to go pick up food for you, get a mask? You want to just like vent about your day and just talk shit? Like, you know, that's mostly one of my good friends that um, works for Essence, uh, Jeremy. Um, we just... Uh, just talk shit all day and just vent sometimes just because you have to, you have to be like, Oh, so-and-so did this. Yeah. Yeah. So-and-so did this. And man, is it funny? And you're just like, yeah, it's hilarious. Cause I just really needed a, I just needed a break. You got to vent. It's got to go somewhere. There's a lot of, you know, social norms that I haven't been tested enough yet. Like, I don't know. I don't trust really many people that I interact with a day or in the day. And if I have to, it's six foot distance or more and I have my mask on and hopefully they do too. And if they don't, most of the time, I'm unfortunately, like, unfortunately, I have to just deal with it. Um, but then in the back of my mind, I can't really focus on the conversation because um, I'm just like, oh, well, this sucks. And now I'm potentially exposing people I live with, people that I'm close to. And it's just like, why would you want to subject anybody to that? Can't you think about anybody else than yourself? No. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time and knowledge and sharing your journey with us. Thank you. To learn more about Isabel's Market and Eatery, where Mike is the executive chef, visit them at isabelsmarket.com. You can also follow Mike on Instagram, at emberaccio.